Welcome everybody to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today I'm going to lead you through the Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets game. It's a 27-17 win by the Buffalo Bills, and we'll be going through today what I thought about the game, which one of the quarterbacks do I love going forward, what, are they, what do I think about the running back situation going forward, Who, which wide receivers did I like. We're going to hear all of that today. We're going to start off with the Buffalo Bills offense, um, which means we really need to start again with the Buffalo Bills line versus the Jets defense. The Buffalo Bills made some additions on the line. Mitch Morse out of Kansas City. That was a good ad, I believe. They added Quentin Spain as well at their left guard. They already had Deion Dawkins. That was an addition they'd made uh, via the draft a couple of years ago. Cody Ford, Daryl Williams. It seems like uh, and, of course, they added Daryl Williams from Carolina. It seems like they made a commitment to the offensive line, to protecting Josh, protecting him from himself sometimes because Josh will throw caution into the wind, and we will get more into that. Not only did they add to the line, they added to the wide receivers as well, notoriously spending a lot of draft capital on Stefan Diggs, adding him to the mix at wide receiver. So that was a big addition they made. I bet they feel good about that after watching this game, which, of course, we'll get more into when we get to the wide receivers. The line was good. It kind of kept the best thing about the New York's defense at bay, which is their front seven. Quentin Williams came out and looked good. He was on the field more than it felt like than he was last year. Now, if the Jets were without their big signing, Mosley from last year, that's a big deal for them. Avery Williamson was a pickup they made to, to sure that up. He, he played admirably as well as Marcus May. Marcus May was all over the field in this game, so he's certainly someone to target in the IDP formats for them going forward if you play a defensive player, which I think is cool. I didn't like the way the defense looked. They did look soft on the edges as far as the cornerbacks went. They seem to be fine as a front seven, nothing special necessarily. Josh kind of had his way with them. So there's certainly a defense to target going forward, especially if they have any attrition. That's going to get down into some deeper ranks really quickly for them. And that could be a problem. That could make them a defense to target, which actually means good things for their offense from a fantasy perspective. More Worst defense means you have to try and score more which means you're passing more, et cetera. Let's take a look at my favorite player of the day, the man who really – he had some ups and downs, but he really carried the team today. They put a lot on his plate, and he came through in a big way. We're talking about, of course, Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a polarizing player for a lot of people, especially in this draft season. You know, was he going to take any next steps – were there next steps for him to take? Is he just who he is at this point? Which is hard. I didn't ever like that take. People had that take that he was just going to be exactly who he was from here on out. The guy's young. He's not going to be a finished product, you know, in year two. Or even in year one, you know, last year and in year two this year. He's not going to be a finished product by any stretch. I'll tell you what he did do, though. He looks good. He looks trim. And he was out there running with authority. He was not afraid to take contact when he runs, which is scary sometimes. But it's what you want to see out of Josh. You want to see him sweeping, 
with the ball, running over people. It's, it's it looked, He looked healthy, and he, he looked good doing it. Absolutely. 14 carries for 57 yards. I keep saying, you want to see your quarterback up in the 50s with the rushing yards. He's going to have way bigger days than that. That was the – that was, the, that was the tip of the iceberg as far as days go for him when it comes to rushing attempts. He got the touchdown for him, their rushing touchdown as well. This doesn't even tell the full story. You know, he, had the, he was the first Buffalo Bill in forever to pass for 312 yards. He had the two touchdowns through the air as well. It was only sacked three times for six yards. He, he looks good, 33 for 46 that's pretty good for him, especially. He is still somewhat inaccurate, so there's going to be those frustrating times. And where that really showed up today was the red zone. And when I say there was more on the plate for the Buffalo Bills, if they would have just converted a couple of the times they had the ball down in the red zone instead of field goals into touchdowns, we're talking about a humongous day for a lot of these players. We're talking about way more touchdowns. Stephon Diggs probably getting a touchdown. Dawson Knox had an easy one that didn't quite make it. So there's going to be bigger days ahead for Josh and this offense. That's an absolute guarantee. Now, th- that, that may, may have to temper that a little bit just because it was the Jets' defense and the Jets are going to be vulnerable this year. They just are not – you know, and they also traded Jamal Adams. I didn't mention that earlier when we were talking Jets' defense. And it really showed, even though Marcus May made up for a lot of the difference in the Jamal Adams part of it. So that, that part wasn't as – noticeable as not having Mosley out there and just not having not having also traded Leonard Williams. So they weren't quite as big as up front as they usually are. So that hurt them as well. It was just a, it was a mediocre performance. And I hope that Josh is still able to build on this performance, even though it was a crappier defense, but I have Josh Allen fever. And the only, only cure is more Josh Allen is watching more Josh Allen games is watching him just destroy people with his arm and his legs. And that's the combination you want for a successful fantasy season. Not to mention, he is their best goal line back. You know, they spread it out all the time, put him back there by himself, not only at the goal line, but just in general. And they will run him in a design run play at least three to four times a game, hopefully. And I think he's going to benefit from that. He was there. He led them in carries. They had 32 carries. He had 14 of them. They kind of, now, that's because they, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss split the carries completely evenly. So there was that. I really think that Josh is still going to end up being the goal line back de facto, just like Cam Newton was that year. He destroyed everybody. Well, I guess he, he, he was the, for a long time, more time than that. But that year, he destroyed everybody. He was also the goal line back. So that was a big deal for their, their going forward. So we talked Josh Allen. Let's talk about who he was throwing it to. Josh was on the prowl for, for deep throws, for long throws, for, for really everything. And Stefan Diggs and John Brown definitely were the beneficiaries of that. Stefan is definitely the superior of the two talent-wise, and I think they know it. Even though he got one less target than John Brown, and John Brown did get the, the touchdown in, amongst the two, Stefan Diggs is definitely the player to own. If you can get in on him having kind of a a medium game, I definitely would. Uh, Stefan Diggs, now he's going to be up and down. Josh isn't going to have a great game every game. But at the same time, this is definitely the best-case scenario that this could have gone for them. But at the same time, I think that 
Stefan Diggs definitely has something. He showed chemistry with Josh. And Josh is going to have better accuracy days too. This was not a this is not the the ceiling for them by any stretch, especially when you talk about having a lot of those possessions really stall out. When they stalled out, it was just kind of fluky stuff. There was missed tipped passes. There was just out of the range stuff. So you have to really think about that when you're thinking about, okay, this was the best case scenario. This is as high as Josh and this offense can go. That's not even close to being the case. All the players involved here have higher ceilings. And I think that you should really be trying to get on in on any of them that you can at the varying prices that they're going to come at. So first off, we're definitely, like I said, we're definitely buying Josh. Go down. If if the person thinks they were getting an upgrade at quarterback and they're giving up Josh, you're definitely into that. You definitely want to get after that as much as you can. Like I said, there's going to be way worse days for Josh. He's going to run into tougher defenses that know how to handle him, him a little better. But at the same time, there's more on the bone here. He looked good. He looks trim. He was running angry. He was throwing hard. It's just he's not super accurate all the time. So it's that's as as that goes up, hopefully, the I think Josh will end up getting even better. And that's his, you know, that's where the the ceiling for him lies is with an increase in accuracy, he could really, really be something because it has a great arm, it has an instinct for running the ball and putting his nose down and getting yards and really just not being afraid to bang on fools. Anyway, all right, I got to quit talking about Josh. I have Josh fever. Let's get, let's get, God, I, I was trying to talk about the wide receivers, got right back into Josh. Definitely recommending Stefan Diggs as a going forward situation. I don't want to disrespect Cole Beasley. He definitely has his place in the offense, but he's not a fantasy target for us. He's that possession slot wide receiver that he always was. He'll get a touchdown at some point. There will be days for him, but he's not going to be someone we're going to be able to rely on. So I don't mean to disrespect on him or any of the other wide receivers, but for now, talking about Stefan Diggs and John Brown as far as targets go. Stefan Diggs looked great. He looked like he was doing everything he normally does. He's more than a speedster. I think that's kind of how they used him last year a little too much. He has really good possession skills as well. He, he's got sticky hands. He's fluid with the ball. He thinks, uh, he thinks well about his positioning and where he is with the ball. Now, it's hard with Josh because not every throw is going to be on the money, and he's not going to get to you know, catch it right right in the hands every time, but that's what he's good at. And I think that's what makes him a good fit for Josh as well, which I was hopeful for when I was making my Josh Allen plays was that he really increases the ceiling of this team because they were a little deficient at wide receiver last year. John, with John Brown is not a number one. He is a great number two. I love it. I love the way he looked as well. And I think that their combined speed really gave the Jets problem. And that's, really was the key to the game, even though, I mean, we're really only talking about 88 yards on eight catches for Stefan and eight ca- and six catches for 70 yards for John Brown. John Brown got the touchdown on a nice screenplay with some nice blocking from his fellow wide receivers where he did just house, you know, it was, but it was an easy run for him with his speed. So it wasn't like it was something that, seems super sustainable, but at the same time, they're going to be running stuff for him because they need to use his speed on the outside so they can do different things on the inside. Uh, I also see them using Dawson Knox a little bit more. He definitely should have had a touchdown. He just barely missed it. Josh, or I guess Josh just barely missed him. Maybe, maybe it was a little bit of both, 
but he's going to have bigger days. You have him as the third tight end in your best balls. You're going to be happy about that. You want to use him in streamer season. I think that's probably going to be his, his upside rather than being a tight end that you're going to have as your tight end one, but still he definitely has upside, but really, the big thing to look at, we're definitely buying Stefan Diggs as a number one for them. We're definitely buying John Brown as a number two for them. And I think they're going to be able to do th- big things in the passing game, along with Cole Beasley, although we're not buying him. And then with the running backs as well, they threw a pretty decent amount to Devin Singletary. And even, even to Zach Moss as well, even though Devin seemed like the primary target when it came to Josh throwing it. Now, that's kind of a little counterintuitive because Zach Moss actually caught the touchdown from from Josh and you know what it did seem like they wanted to use Zach Moss a little bit more at when it got past the 20 in the red zone which is bad for Devin Singletary's value as we go ahead we might as well go ahead and break into the running back since we're talking about it already so we're talking about Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss this was an ADP battle all the way through as far as who was going to be what there was rumors Singletary was fumbling there was Rumors Zach Moss was going to be the goal linebacker. Zach Moss was the goal linebacker. It kind of limited his carries. He did. He had a terrible 11 yards on his nine carries, but he did catch the touchdown, and he was in towards the goal line. And even though he had bad production in the running game, it wasn't necessarily his fault at all. It was kind of a weird rushing performance by the Buffalo Bills. Josh, you know, Josh was the leader in carries. The other two had nine. They had 32 rushes for 98 yards. Not a great rushing performance by them, which really limited the amount of times they actually ran the ball, kind of put it in Josh's hands a lot more than you might want to necessarily. But obviously that's good for fantasy going forward as well. If I'm looking at Devin and Zach, it's probably a hold for both. They're both drafted, so you're not really looking at, you know, who is going to be the hot pickup but you're looking at who do you want to target. And really, it's hard to say at this point. It's a straight down-the-middle committee at this point. So you're probably holding both of them, maybe not targeting either of them as far as trades go. Maybe you're okay if one of them gets thrown into the back end, but it's not somebody I would necessarily be targeting. I guess I, I wish I had more on Devin and Zach and which one is going to be which. I think Devin definitely looked to be the more explosive of the two when it came to speed, but it did seem like they like to use Zach in the goal line setting, even though besides the kind of fluky touchdown he caught, he didn't really do much with that either. So it'll be interesting to see how that part shakes out. I guess I'm just trying to have shares and then hoping that it kind of shakes out to one or the other long-term as fantasy football is a game of attrition. Buying Josh Allen. We've got Josh Allen fever. That means I probably have Stefan Diggs fever too, and maybe even a little bit John of John Brown. We're kind of holding on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss uh, going forward, and we're not quite in on Dawson Knox yet, but he's definitely somebody I like watching on film, and he's caught my eye several times, and I think there's brighter days for him. And, of course, we're not having Cole Beasley in our lineups at all. So if we're done with the Bills, that means we need to talk about the Jets' offense. This is going to be one of my least favorite watches of of the year. I can already tell. I'm not excited about the Jets' offense by any stretch. 
Buffalo has a good defense. They returned a lot of people from last year. White at cornerback is a stud. I love Micah Hyde. He seems to be around the ball a lot. Jerry Hughes was a monster today. I kept hearing his name and seeing him around the ball. They also added Trent Murphy on the other side of him. He kept showing up and giving Sam Darnold help. Ed Oliver, I love that draft pick when they made it. So I, I think they've got something along with Tremaine Edmonds in the middle, I think they've got something on that defense and it showed today. I mean, AJ Espinosa, their first round pick was a healthy scratch. That's how good this defense is. They kind of opt because I think that's kind of them opting for more veterans in this COVID times, but still I like the way the bills defense looked. That's a buy going forward for sure. Now I think it got propped up by the jets a bit, even though the jets invested in their offensive line a bit, and they weren't and Mackay and I like Mackay Becton. They're suspect. The whole Jets offense is suspect. It starts with their line. Didn't I don't I don't know. I don't know. I didn't feel like that any of them played especially bad. Is it was just that there was pressure on Sam Darnold. I don't know what it is. It's hard to put my finger on what it is about Sam Darnold and then let's move on from the line. I, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Let's talk about Sam Darnold. He was under pressure and he did not handle it well. What was it was what, what I expected from him to be quite frank 21 for 35, 215 yards, one touchdown, one INT, sacked three times, didn't really use his legs for much, one rush for six yards. So, from a fantasy free perspective, we're talking about a dead fish here. If you have him as your third quarterback in a two quarterback league, fine. Everything outside of that, you're not excited. Maybe you have to stream him because everybody has all the quarterbacks in your league when it comes time for streamer season, but no, this is not somebody I'm recommending, which is certainly a hit to all the weapons on this offense. The only one that really showed out weapons wise, because really no reason to pile on, on Sam here was Jameson Crowder seven for one fifteen in the touchdown, the long of 69. Obviously that was the bulk of it. And let me say, took a video of this I posted on my Instagram for the for this podcast and that was all Jamison Crowder making that touchdown happen that was not a throw Sam Darnold made that threw him open or did anything he was in a bunch formation Jamison Crowder housed it that made up the bulk of Sam yards Sam's yards too without throw out that play we're talking about we're talking about 130 yards really this was all Jamison Crowder making kind of propping up everything. Then you throw in Le'Veon Bell getting hurt. You throw in Brashad Perriman not really doing anything. And then you throw in a bunch of super empty Chris Hogan targets. And what do you got? Nothing. Chris Herndon, the only encouraging thing about this game for Chris Herndon was he was targeted and he did have six catches, but they weren't able to move the ball down the field very well. They weren't able to have the time to really set up deep routes, and it showed. That's why Jamison Crowder works for this offense, and that's why he's probably the only Jet I would recommend going forward. We'll get into Le'Veon in a minute. We'll get into the the Jets running backs in a second, but really outside of maybe a low-end Le'Veon play, depending on what his time frame is, you know, if you can afford to wait on something like that, Jamison Crowder is the only person that really looked good on offense. Le'Veon looked good when he was in there. He was fine. It's just they didn't have any sustained drives where they could give him the ball and really let him cook at all. 
there's just no sustained anything going into the second, going into the final, you know, parts of the game. The fact that they scored 17 points is kind of a mirage. Those were off of fluky style turnovers that they just barely turned into points. And then of course the Jameson Crowder touchdown as well. So I wouldn't be stoked about that by any means. I guess if you have Jameson Crowder, you're keeping him. You're definitely going to have him as a maybe a wide receiver three. He's a wide receiver three going forward because he is really the only legitimate target they have. Rashad Perriman is a good wide receiver three when other people are taking the taking the looks off of him. But when people are looking at him and people are covering him, he's not anything special, I don't think. Now he was kind of hurt, so maybe that's part of it. But Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman is your big three wide receivers with Chris Herndon. That's not helping anybody. You have a poor offensive line. This is what it looks like when you haven't been making draft picks for several years. And it's not that you haven't been making them. It's when you haven't been making good draft picks for several years all the way down the line. And then you end up trading off a bunch of those draft picks for future draft picks. I hope, hope this time around you have somebody making better picks. So not to pile on. Only recommendation we're making in the wide receivers for this team, and really the whole team, is Jamison Crowder. Spoiler alert, we will not be recommending our next player, Frank Gore. Now, the only reason I'm talking about Frank Gore is because he plays for the New York Jets and because Le'Veon Bell went out of the game. His time frame still hasn't been made known. But once he got in there, Frank Gore, six carries and 24 yards. It's four-point average. He didn't look like anything special. Of course he didn't. He's so old. Le'Veon Bell looked good while he was in there. He looked like he was moving well, but they could not really open up holes for him. And really, even when Frank Gore was in there, Josh Adams came in there and spelled him and got the touchdown. And it looked like they wanted to use Josh Adams at the goal line a bunch anyway to begin with. So that's not a good situation for anybody in that backfield to have somebody that specializes in the goal line that's not the main guy. So I'm not going to run up, run up and pick up Frank Gore. I'm not running to pick up Josh Adams. That's going to be a desperation play late, later on maybe. Josh Adams, as everybody goes down. It'll be interesting to see what the time frame is on Le'Veon. The only reason I think I'd be buying Le'Veon is he's all they've got. He's all they've got. And maybe they trade him too when they see the season is lost. So there's also that factor. Definitely when I say I'm trading for him, I'm talking about trading – John Brown for him. I'm talking about trading for him as a super distressed asset. I'm not talking about trading somebody else that you drafted in the third round for this guy anymore. The dra- take, take where you drafted somebody and flush it because it's all over now. We, a lot of the storylines have already been made, and now we've got to see what's what. I don't want to pile on the Jets anymore. There's bad days ahead. They're look- they might be tanking for Trevor and not even know it yet. I don't want to pile on the Jets, but I do want to pile on the Josh Allen love. I was excited by what I saw in him. I know you've heard that enough times, but go get your Josh Allen. Go win your league. Go use this information and and trade off of it, and I think you're going to be happy with the results. Once again, this was Taylor McLean with the Roundtable Sports Podcast. I should have another game up today as well, but I'll look forward to hearing from you all next time. 